Hello, everyone. Once again, let's give it up for anyone that helps out with AV, sound, all that good stuff. It's great to have a team of people at the church who help serve uh, and who just do a great job. Oops, doing your mask too. Take your mask. <laughs> so, uh, as Todd said, my name is Josh Williams. I'm the lead pastor here. Very excited to be here with you guys. And uh, I just want to start by reading some scripture for us. It's a scripture we'll be in for our whole time together from uh, 1 John, a letter from the Apostle John. It says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God has showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Oops. Okay. Um, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. The word of the Lord, and we'll hear more of it today. We're in a series called Grateful and Hungry. We've heard some fantastic messages already about what God's deposited amongst us, what God's put inside of us. The call to pursue obedience rather than success, seek the peace of our city, bring up sin and confess it together instead of hiding it, pursuing rest and Sabbath. As our community has matured over the years, the scripture has come alive and we've become oriented to what God has said to us, the words he's given to us. And this week we'll focus on, as you might have guessed it from 1 John, this theme of costly love. Seven years ago in 2014, uh, I became the lead pastor of ECV. Our church was seven years old, I was 27, and I felt very called to lead the church. And as part of that, I was tasked to give two talks, two vision talks, as people were wondering, what exactly might be going on as I lead? What might be kind of different, maybe? I decided to do one on what Jesus would need to change in us for us to fully embrace what God had for our church. And honestly, this was pretty selfish of me because I needed to give that talk to just have a moment to say, I'm scared. I'm insecure. I'm anxious. I don't know how to do this. And I think before we talk about what we want to do out there, I want to talk about what God needs to do in me and in us. I felt a little bit maybe unsure about leading a church that was as kind of structurally complicated as ours, as missionally complex as ours. And, you know, of course there's lovable people, but they're a little bit intense sometimes. So I needed some courage from God, a reminder that God loves me and cares about me, and God loves and cares about us. And I felt the church needed that message at the time. Since God loves us so generously, I said that there's a way that we can be unafraid we can be honest about our limits. We could be full of faith to seek Jesus when it comes to challenges. So we don't have to complain. We don't have to numb ourselves. We can actually say, God, I just need your help today. If anything, I needed that talk more than anyone else because I'd heard myself complain, often to my wife, and I'd observed my own habits of distracting myself with activities 
because I was feeling the pressure. I was feeling a burden. I was feeling even sad about all the things I thought I had to do by myself. I gave that talk, and it was good to remind our church that we need God, that God is here for us and with us before anything that we might do. The second talk was a bit more challenging, and it almost made me immediately lose my lessons from the previous week because it was more concretely about what ECV was going to do for and with the city, what our plans were to love the city around us. And that's always been part of our call as ECV, but it's always been an aspirational call for our community. In some communities, uh, when you think about serving the city, it's literally just serving the body that is made up of the church. Right? If we look at Varick AME on Dixwell, a historic black church, when they think about serving the city, they think about serving their own members. They think about what it means to serve Dixwell where so many people live or live nearby or love. For us, we've always been in this no man's land of downtown. It's everyone's and no one's land all at once. And that means, because of how things work, it can often go to the highest bidder, right? Anyone can have downtown for the right price. And they just pick up and leave. That's where we are. That's where we tabernacle for a few hours every Sunday. And at the time of its beginning, ECV had gotten around that by partnering with other organizations outside of downtown. You know, when we think about this costly love, we saw it in certain places in our city. We saw it in uh, Your Place Youth Center, which is in New Hallville, up at the top of the map right there. Uh, about that time, probably when we were smaller, we had a fifth of our people volunteering at this ministry. And then, uh, as Todd was saying earlier, we partnered with Agape Church, which was right at Trinity Church in downtown. We did a, a ministry every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And then in 2011, uh, 11 of our ECVers moved to Kensington Street to have an impact on one of the more dangerous neighborhoods of the city at the time. And we partnered with another church that had been doing a sidewalk Sunday school outreach and we joined that outreach. We'd actually done that a uh, year before we moved. And then we continued doing that outreach, being present incarnationally, and uh, being neighbors. That was our goal, to be good neighbors. This all sounds pretty good, right? At least for a start. Well, in the summer of 2014, Your Place Youth Center had been closed for a few years. Agape had been struggling with a lack of volunteers. And many of the young people who moved to Kensington had moved away. No longer were a fifth of our people serving together anywhere. On staff, we were also noticing that the people who were serving were often younger people, more mostly people of color serving. That tended to be a somewhat unnerving pattern we noticed on our staff team. And here I was, all full of faith, full of courage, at least from that last week and that last sermon, about what God was going to do, given God's overwhelming heart for justice, for service, for God's kingdom coming, for this costly love. And honestly, I felt a bit embarrassed. How would I preach that? I felt a bit hypocritical, and I was lacking hope. Whatever I preached the week before about courage or humility, seeking Jesus in crisis and challenge, was being put to the test. Because I was thinking, what are we really doing right now? That call to pastor and to kind of lead us forward that I was previously excited about was instantly challenged, and I was unsure what to do. Well, and by the way, I'm not exactly sure the timeline here, but I'm pretty sure we had found out maybe that week <laughs> that uh, the church we were meeting in for seven years uh, had kicked us out, and so that was going to happen in about five weeks. Yikes! 
this was a tough time. And I'll pick up on that story a little bit later in the talk. Back to the word of God and this comforting word, comforting language about God's love that hopefully can become real to us even today. This is how we know that we live in God and God lives in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. The Spirit of God living in us is how we know that God lives in us and us in God. All of that helps us know and share the big story that God loves us. And that God sent Jesus to love us so well, to rescue us and everyone else we know. When we say Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in us and us in God. And so we know and so we rely on the love of God. This is an intense invitation. So we know and rely on the love of God, the love God has for us. To know is just being someone who believes and is aware of, relying, someone who trusts and depends on this thing. God's love towards us always reflects the costly love that we see Jesus do on the cross for us. God has a challenge for our love to always be that costly to God and to one another. That it's the same love, it's the the same substance. That's the challenge of our faith. But it seems that we have to receive it in order to live in it, in order to give it away. Do you know and rely on the love God has for you? I think that's a different question than just, do you believe God loves you? Do you know and rely on the love God has for you? Before you try to posture and perform to get self-worth, before you try to serve others with the fumes of your own breathless activity, before you do anything, do you know that God loves you? And do you know and rely on the love God has for you? Do you experience that love as something like an overflow? Not just barely enough, but more than you could even think to receive. And do you know that that love is costly? It was costly for Jesus to secure that love for you. And it's always costly when you give it away. Now I have to address something from the front. Because I know when I say costly love that you all might be thinking, okay, Josh, you said costly love. But do you know that's what I'm already doing for my family? Do you know what that's, that's what I'm already doing? Because things are really hard. Things have been hard in the pandemic when I had to take care of my kids and go to work and care for my spouse and get the groceries, sometimes all at the same time somehow because of the pandemic, right? We could actually do all of that the same second. Like things have been hard, that costly love, that's what I've already been about. As a person of color in America, as a person who's single in a church, as a person who's older in a church of young people, we could kind of just go down the road for what would make us think that our love has been costly enough. And now we need a little bit of love for us, right? That Netflix show, that, you know, ice cream at night, the little drink, right? Like, that's what I need. Someone's like, yes, in the back, right? 
And there's not necessarily anything wrong about that. But sometimes we say, that's it, period, right? I've poured out already, Josh. Can you stop the sermon right now? Like, literally, I'm done. Maybe I'll catch the rest on podcast, but maybe not. Tina, can you come here for a second? I just want to do a little activity real quick. Woo! There's something about what it means to have a flow. I'm not going to ask you to rap. Uh, she's really worried about that. What it means to have a flow. We're, we can actually feel God's love flowing into us and flowing out of us. This is something super simple, but you can act like you're pouring water onto my hand. And if I have uh, an open hand here, but a closed fist over here, there's a way I, I might be able to receive something but not pour it out. My arm is, my hand's open or it's not. It really takes open to be someone who can be opened up to the love of God and then to have that challenge of opening my palm and giving it away. That's a flow. It is. But getting there is kind of mysterious. It's hard to know how that will happen. But how many times do we just say, well, I'm going to just hold it closely, right? Tighten up versus extending. That's what we're daring to do today. Thank you, Tina. Sorry, that might not be that much to you, but for me, that's like been so huge, like closing and opening, opening, keeping this open, knowing that I do need that like lavish love, but it also needs to flow through me. Once again, it's only through embracing Jesus' costly love for yourself that you can give it to others and have that love feel good, feel right, and last for the long haul. That love is the stuff of persevering marriages. That love is the stuff of faithful friendships. That love is the stuff of kindness towards stranger as habit. That love is the stuff of a poured out life for the city and world around us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. A lot of fear around love, and it makes sense. Sometimes when key relationships of support don't exist or struggling, we ask, are we loved? Will there be love at all in our lives? And even sometimes when we have those key relationships, we ask, Am I doing enough? Are they doing enough? Am I getting what I need? Is this person really doing enough to make me feel loved? We can grow so afraid around love, and when we do, it doesn't really look like love at all. Back in the season of 2014, I found a verse in the Bible. You know when you read something and you're like, I've read this before, like I'm sure I have, but sometimes like a verse just pops out at you, it just jumps out, and you're like, how is this in the Bible? Seriously, did someone add this? And so I found this verse in that season that's been so influential to me. It says this from Jesus. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Again, a call. Jesus in the Bible's most common saying, do not be afraid. And this time it's personalized to the gathering. That little flock, I love that language. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. 
The kingdom isn't something you need to break your back over and fight for, as if we only have table scraps available to us. That's a true thing. Our Father is pleased to give the kingdom to us. Something about that verse rung true to my soul that God wants to gift our church with more of the kingdom, not through more convincing God through hard work or through brilliant plans, but God wants to give that as a gift, as if a loving parent to a child. And this reality of God's costly love presented as gift, not strain, began to change me. Because sometimes we think if it's costly, if it's rigorous, if it's for us, if that's how it was given to us, surely we must have to work hard to get that same thing for others. But what if God's strain is somehow our gift, simply because of who God is? That Jesus secured something for us on our behalf, but then he presents it to us as a gift. That truth changed me. So back to the beginning. There I was with one sermon about formation into healthy mission, kind of in the can, but except whatever I was preaching that other week, just six days before, it was leaking out of me as I was thinking about preaching on concrete mission in our city. As I was living under the weight of that reality, at least to the city around us, I wasn't feeling that healthy at the moment as I wondered, what could I say? What could I do? What are we doing right now? What do I have to talk about? So I decided to do something that many a preacher do under some stress. I decided to just know and rely on the love of God and to boldly declare that God just wants to deepen that work in our body. And while my initial call in that sermon had been to not mention Agape, not mention Kensington, right? Like there weren't things going on there anymore. That'd be like inauthentic. That'd be hypocritical. I actually decided to tell my best stories from those times and to say, that's not happening right now, but maybe it could again someday. It felt silly, but that's what I felt invited into to just not boast in what was currently happening, but just talk about what God had done and to trust the Spirit that the Lord would do something. And after the sermon, one of the folks that had been kind of most critical in that season about that recent downturn and mission to the city that we were facing, uh, G, he, he brought someone towards me. And G had prophetically prayed something over this new person that made a lot of sense to him and surprised him for what God was doing in his life. And how much God seemed to love him. This is one of the reasons why I love doing prophetic ministry at the church. Because there's things that God can know that we just can't. There's things that God could say that simply wouldn't do at all. And this new ECVer was clearly impacted by the experience of prayer. But he said something else that shocked both G and me. This new person said when Agape and Kensington, when those ministries were uh, kind of described in the sermon, he felt compelled to be part of them. He felt drawn in like it was a storybook that he was meant to do. Even though he didn't really know much about our church, about these ministries, he just felt like his heart was beating within him, however fledgling they were. And we hadn't had, we hadn't had new volunteers in a while, so like Gene and we had to keep our cool. We were like, oh yeah, okay, like you just find out the information. And we're just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> and we had no way of knowing this, but this person would end up becoming the cornerstone of the Kensington community the leader of Agape, just a few years later. If you have been around for a while, you know this person is Daniel Song, who's you know, now serving in Cincinnati out of another call that God had to serve middle America, to serve in different ways in a city not like New Haven, with has, that is Yale in the background, but just a, a different city in America. 
But that small little word, those small little stories meant something to him. And he saw, I think I can be here. Daniel and his wife Flo expanded and deepened our ministry to the city, both inviting folks from Kensington Agape into our community here at ECV, calling folks at ECV who weren't involved to minister the city through those different outreaches and groups, inviting people who couldn't come to furnish apartments that newly people who were housed were able to be in. They always had an invitation to go deeper. Days before this encounter, I was pretty dejected about our mission, wondering what's going on, God, wondering if I could even have the courage to stand up and speak about what had happened, given that it felt like little was happening. Days before this encounter, G was wondering if ECV really even cared about the marginalized amongst us because there were more heavy losses in our agape and Kensington worlds, both in volunteers and numbers. And days before, Daniel, as a recent transplant, was wondering what this city would have for him. Especially in times of stress and uncertainty, do we know and rely on the love of God, the foolish love of God, the lavish love of God, the love of God that would surprise us more than our own activities or actions with what the love of God wants to do? Or do we grow afraid? The words of the scripture remind us, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The word of God is also unambiguously clear on who starts this process of deep love that changes us and also who this deep love inside of us should impact. It says this as 1 John continues, we love because he first loved us. We need to receive that today, not because of our drive, not because of our actions, not because of our ambition. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. We love because he first loved us. He loved us in a costly way. There's a call to love others in that same costly way. How is that going for you in your own life, with your own activities and your own struggles? And yes, your own costly love, I do see it, I promise, already. But but how is that going for you? Where is love costing you these days? And where are you letting the love of God not just be a, a small little offering, but something that's causing an overflow in your life? As a way to respond very practically to this talk, I would love to invite you to maybe like some of our practices to receive prophetic prayer or ask God to give you an experience of his love during worship and then call you deeper into Agape Church or Kensington Street Ministry or the prison we had to York or to Whaley Jail for that matter. But once again, I think we're at an interesting time and place as ECV. Since the pandemic, as Todd mentioned, like Agape has been closed. The prisons have been closed. Folks have moved away from our Kensington ministry. I think we have about just maybe two people who live there still. COVID has shut down a lot of ways that we used to serve. And if I'm honest, before the pandemic even, those ministries had grown a little bit anemic as it was a smaller, more predictable group of people who served in those costly ways. And once again, that group was a little bit younger, a little bit more diverse, And the question is, 
again, what are we doing to love our city around us? This reality can lead us to be a bit fearful, a bit insecure, wondering whether our witness is authentic. And perhaps it isn't as much. But that doesn't change God's love for us, right? We know that, right? That it doesn't depend on what we do for God to love us. Sometimes I have to like tell church, I'm like, it really doesn't, right? Like God loves us the same. Thank you, Sinclair. Though sometimes, you know, our love for ourselves changes as we're overly critical, as we condemn ourselves, as we hold ourselves to a different standard that God actually hasn't put before us, as we judge ourselves or judge others. Sometimes the finger always points in. We start here, but we have to remember, especially in times of stress and uncertainty, the love God has for us, or do we grow afraid? Now, I love Daniel, but this time I don't know if it will be an obedient, spirit-led person of color who will save us, unless that person is Jesus, of course. Because that's really who we need. We need Jesus to fill us up with his costly love so we can sustainably give that away to others. Remember the flow? We need the flow of that in our lives. That work not being for a subsection of us, but for all of us. Not just in our jobs, but in our everyday lives. Not just in the church, but on the streets. Not just in official service or justice, but in our relationships. Costly love isn't just for our intimate relationships. It isn't just for the city and the poorest among us. Costly love isn't just for our peers and colleagues. Jesus says it's the standard for all of our love. We don't get to pick and choose our favorite areas, either where we are serving a lot or the ones where we just feel most passionate about. It's the standard for all of our love. Any brother and sister, anyone who could become a brother and sister, right? We see that in the word. He's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. When we become aware of an opportunity to see God's kingdom come, but we feel the tension of our own time, our own talent, our own tug of other priorities and other loves, will we remember the costly love of Jesus and let that same love flow into us. I want to reiterate, this costly love comes in several ways. It's in intimate relationships. Jesus says that there's no greater love than this, laying down one's life for a friend. It's in marriages. Jesus says that there's a mutual submission that we have to one another. The words of Scripture say that. And even uses the language of loving one another as Christ loves the church. Jesus died for the church. How much more should we love greatly? Costly love is even in love for ourselves. The scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. So you got to love yourself, right? You got to receive God's love for you, right? To know how precious you are. So you can see how precious the other is too. And all of that love flows outward, outward, outward to the streets. You know, if this was an old school church, to the highways, to the byways, right? That's where our love goes. That's the end. Out, out there. And as I wrap up this talk, I want to focus here because I feel the Spirit has some invitations for us 
at this point. And I've, I've heard it just listening, being kind of where you are, hearing and listening to our Sunday, message from a few, Sunday messages from even a few months ago. Daniqua and Asha, two former staff, challenging our church not to love through cheap offerings, but to love asking, are we holding anything back? We're giving some things, but what are we holding back in our love? And then to bring that forward and to offer even that. Patrick sharing about the Vineyard Value of Compassionate Ministries, asking us to notice, to listen, and then to testify as we seek to encounter Jesus through poor and marginalized folks around us and share this good news this good news of the city with folks who can be our family. Michelle in challenging us that it is the peace of the city that helps us find our own. It's in our relationship with exiles that we realize that we too are exiles and we cling all the more closely to God. This has felt like the Spirit's movement to me as I've sat in a chair on the green listening to our city all around us, motorbikes included, and then also listening to this good news for our city. But now we're inside, and it's getting darker, and it's getting colder, and we could hunker down in our silos for more than just this season. Or we could hear the words of Daniqua, Asha, Patrick, Michelle, me, and way more importantly, the words of Jesus all throughout the scriptures. The words of Jesus in your heart right now, the words of the Spirit that he's speaking to you in this moment. And try something else out as the winter comes. So here's a practical invitation for demonstrating costly love to our city of New Haven. We'll just kind of get deeper from here. Then I'll go to communion in a second. As I alluded to earlier, being downtown is great for so many reasons. But it can almost mean that we're tabernacling in a no man's land. With neighbors that are thousands of Yale students who are flushed out every four years. Yale admin, businesses that also churn out their regular employees, and then the folks that might be the most transitory are folks that live outside, that we would want to love, but they literally don't have a place to go, a place to sleep. That's a difficult way and place to neighbor. doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's really difficult. Several years ago, I wondered that if we were to main downtown responsibly, by which I mean faithfully, if we'd also have to develop like a ring of sorts around our city where we participate and serve almost as regularly as we connect at church right here. A ring that could actually be where we see God's ministry happening in our church. And it seemed like a dream then, especially when COVID wiped out literally everything we did to serve the city. But it's funny. I feel like there's a unique opportunity before us when I think about just a few stories, including one you heard today with Erica. I think about this little ring here where we meet in the center, Elm City Vineyard Church. It doesn't really matter if you can't see it that closely. And then all the way out to the right is Fairhaven and Erica's ministry, Youth Without Ministries, Mondays at 5.30. Then we have in the uh, upper right, 290 Division, Borden House, where Sinclair and Leisha and others that are involved in the Church of New Haven are present to be an incarnational ministry to the neighborhood of New Hallville, the place where we started with Your Place Youth Center. And now they're doing a great work trying to protect their neighborhood from slumlords, from Yale, in a lot of ways. And to say, can we provide more material resources to this neighborhood so they can buy their own homes, can live in their own neighborhoods, can choose to flourish here if that's what they want. You heard last week, uh, there's some ones in Kensington on the upper corner, the Black Corner Store. I love it. Again, they're to the point. Black Corner Store, Black-owned business in New Haven. I think the only Black-owned corner store in New Haven 
Think about how many there are. Only one. And should I say it's also the only one that says, hey, ECV, anytime you want to come and pray, worship, you know, do a Bible study, y'all can come through. Kiana and I came last week. They're like, where are your speakers at? I'm like, well, we didn't bring them this time. We just want to kind of take it the lay of the land. They're like, come back with volume. <laughs> but we were able to pray with people. We were able to get more invitations to just come in, do a Bible study. There's something that they're asking us to do to, to dwell with us. It's exciting. We, of course, have our advanced child care center with Miss Lisa, which Michelle mentioned in her talk. Daniqua partner with them. And then for downtown, our uh, downtown evening soup kitchen. Somehow, after a pandemic, in an unlikely way, through partnership, we see a little bit more of that ring in ways that God's opening up a possibility. Because that's all it is really right now, right? Just a possibility for us to serve in a way that would cost us. We haven't really necessarily committed to this, but it's kind of funny that it's all possible, right, if we just kind of dig deeper and dwell, as Patrick said, to notice, to listen, to testify to what we're doing and really what God is already doing in our city. But for any of this to work for the long haul, we need to receive Jesus' costly love first, to have any of this flow first through us and then to go to others. Thankfully, Jesus' love is extravagant. In uh, 1 John 3, 1, it says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. That is what we are. So as children of God, or as folks who are considering becoming children of God, let's take these invitations. The first is an invitation upward, to find a practice where you can experience God's love. And I don't know what you think that means, but really it's a place where you would feel peace in your heart, security in who you are, practice an experience of peace or joy. It might come through musical worship. It might come through community, through taking a walk in the woods. We have a lot of ways for thinking about that at ECV. Go to a home group, check that out, ask people, ask pastors. We have a lot of ways to think about how can we just connect to God's love. And I would say you could even just be silent for five minutes and ask the Lord, show me your love. I think you'll experience something. There's an invitation withward. Go to a home group or invest in a set of relationships beyond your household. I can guarantee you, if you go to a home group this week asking the Lord, can you show me a way to experience and demonstrate costly love, someone probably immediately will say, and I just really could use a ride, or and I just needed five more dollars, or can someone pray for me? Like, you will get an invitation to do costly love withward. Go for it. And here's some very specific ones that are invitations outwards. And these will be available on YouTube as the talk comes up. And I just want to share a little bit of, spend a little bit of time on this. You can give time, right? You can serve with Youth Without Limits on Mondays at 5.30. Serve desk on the second Tuesday of December. You can go to tinyurl.com slash ecvlovesdesk. It will send you straight to a spreadsheet. I believe we're almost full for the next uh, one in December. Then it's going to move to Wednesdays every month, uh, uh, once a month. Uh, for the new year, so check that out. You could form a habit. One that I'm really excited about doing myself is you could make Black Corner your corner store. You've got to look to see what the inventory is, right? You're not going to be able to get everything there, but you can get something, right? My wife likes Frosted Flakes. I can get the Frosted Flakes there. I'm going to do that. I'm honest about that, right? So you can go. You can come join Kiana me Wednesdays at 3.30 as we pioneer a simple Bible study and pray for people. This week we won't be doing that because of Thanksgiving. Next week we'll be back on. And also there's a Thanksgiving opportunity to donate canned goods. 
Uh, I won't tell you the vision of Black <laughs> Corner Store because it's literally crazy and it's amazing. Uh, but you can go with a canned uh, good right now and just be like, here, here's, the, here's where you put it. And they'll just give it to families this Thursday. So feel free to do that this week. That's forming a new habit. Give money. You could give money to Borden House to help resettle a family that was displaced through a fire. JubileeNewHaven.org. I think some of us on the community list saw that email that Sinclair sent. This huge fire broke out in his neighborhood. And you know what that does in a neighborhood like that? It paves way for someone just to scoop, scoop that right up and develop that bad boy. Or you could say, let's stand with people so they can buy their home back. They can actually develop more equity in this through this disaster. And then to dwell. You know, Todd was talking about, like, what's happened with Agape? In some ways, we don't know. There'll definitely be a party December 4th, you know, 9 a.m. That's awesome on Saturday. But they're wondering, could we restart again? That's something as staff we prayed about. We don't want to just say, hey, let's do it if there's no volunteers. But if you're interested in serving and loving folks that live outside, consider maybe doing that ministry. Talk to me, Josh at ElmCityVineyard.org. We're wondering right now if there's people power to start this ministry again. That's what we're up to. My guess is these concrete opportunities are not the end of our costly love, but just a beginning. Perhaps we'll find that it's better only to do one thing rather than all of this or switch seasonally. But guess what? We can discover that on the way. Because what the call is today is to do something. And I think you can do one of these things, even this week. You really can. And again, like, watch your movie. Like, take your bubble bath. Like, ask someone to pray for you. Like, you can still do self-care and give a little bit. It's not one or the other. Sometimes they're like, okay, i got to do all this. First of all, you don't. You can just do one thing. And you can also ask God for help. God, this is a busy week. How could I do this? Maybe I can't do it this week. Maybe I can do it next week. You can ask the Lord for support. Remember, if anything's making you afraid or insecure, you can just remember these simple verses and ask the worship team to come up now. Especially in times of stress and uncertainty, let's together know and rely on the love God has for us. An overflowing love. And do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. We have communion elements right here. I'm going to encourage you right now to get them out. Jesus' costly love is embodied in him dying on the cross for us. When we take the bread out, which you can do now, it's the body of Christ that's broken for us. We mark this broken body because we're open to the shape of our love being a broken body for others. Take this broken body and eat. With this cup, we choose to take in the blood of Jesus shed for us. We do that knowing that we also will shed blood, will sacrifice for others. Take and drink. Jesus, come into our midst. Be the God of enough. Be the God of overflow. Be the God who we need today. We need right now, Lord, to show us this way of an overflowing love, to show us this way of a costly love that isn't just lip service, isn't just a phrase in the Bible, but it can become our life, but only if we accept it as yours. Lord, take our lives. Take our lives and make them be what you want them to be. Lord, pour yourself out on us so we could pour ourselves out on others in a flow of obedience, a flow of ministry to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.